we're rooted in Christ and Christ is in us. Now, he says that for those who are producing good fruit for him, that he is going to prune them. It's going to produce more fruit than it ever produced before. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. If you've been following along on our broadcast, you know that we are in an extensive study of the Gospel of John. If you've missed any of our programs, they can all be found on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. But today, David takes us to the 15th chapter in a message called The Vine Dresser, The Vine, and The Branches. Hi, everybody. In case you didn't catch the beginning of our online worship service, I'm David Chadwick, and I'm the founding pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We are presently walking through the Gospel of John. We've been there now for around nine months, and we will complete it. But I wanted to mention to you next week uh, on the 31st and then November the 7th, 14th, and 21st, we're going to take a break from the Gospel of John, and I'm going to go through the book of Nehemiah in an overview fashion, and I'm going to cast vision with you for the next five years for Moments of Hope Church. God has a great plan for this church. And you know, at my former church, I had a vision that I thought God had given me, and I presented it, and pretty soon thereafter, uh, I was asked not to be uh, the leader of that church anymore. And over the last several months, my wife Marilyn, as good wives often do, she asked me the question, do you remember that vision? I said, of course. I prayed long and hard about it. I thought that's what God wanted the church to do. She then asked me the pointed question, was that vision from the Lord? And I paused and said, I think so. Again, I prayed long and hard about it. She said, well, if it's from the Lord, it's still his vision. So I took those words and I went back to that original vision and began to pray with more fervor. Lord, what do you want for Moments of Hope Church? You've called me to this church for this season, this life. For the next five to ten years, I'm convinced. And Lord, what do you desire? And I went back to that vision and much of what it said I've come back to you with over the next four weeks. So let's look forward to that time together. Um, again, I'll tell you more about our property search and where we are with that during that vision time period and also give you some key elements how you can participate in this vision because if it's just me, it's doomed to failure. It's all of us together who call ourselves a part of Moments of Hope Church working together for the glory of God. So again, that will be next week, October the 31st, the first week, then the seventh, the second week, the 14th, please circle on your calendar. That's going to be at Hope Farm. The seventh, the 31st, 7th, and 21st will be at Providence Day School at 10 o'clock, our regular worship time. But on the 14th at Hope Farm, big celebration. The cooker, smoker is going to be going. All kinds of games, other things will be there as well. And in the worship time at 11 o'clock, uh, I will present vision with our eight community partners who are going to all come. And you're going to hear how we want to impact underserved, impoverished communities here in the city of Charlotte. Now, I don't want to get much more ahead of myself. Just mark that date, especially November 14th at Hope Farm at 11 a.m. That's going to be very, very important and special for our life together. Well, let's move to today's text in John. John 15, verses 1 through 17, one of Jesus' most powerful, intense, and in meaningful teachings that he gives us in his word. 
Father, in Jesus' name, I pray now that you would be with me as I proclaim your word, that you would be pleased with what I'm about to say. And as I unfold this text, Lord, people would be convicted to bear much fruit for you. We love you, Jesus, but only because you first chose us, you first loved us, which is in these verses today. And I pray that as we journey through your word, Lord, people, A, love your word even more, but have the word of God convict their hearts for how they can serve you more faithfully. So thank you, Lord, for this privilege. I pray that you would use me to Jesus alone and always belongs all the glory. It's in your wonderful name, Jesus. I pray this prayer. Amen. So context of John 15, 1. You need to know that in John 14, Jesus gives us significant teachings about how the disciples should not let their hearts be troubled to believe in God, believe also in Jesus, that he's going to heaven to prepare a dwelling place for us, and he's going to come back and get us to take us to that dwelling place. If it weren't so, he wouldn't have told us so. He can't lie to us because in verse 6 we saw he is the way, the truth, and the life. And then John did such an excellent job last week of unfolding the following verses. And I want to emphasize Jesus introduces for the first time in-depth teachings about the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Godhead, Christians believe in one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit being the third person of the Godhead, often nicknamed the Silent Sovereign, who is the one who connects us with the Father in heaven through Jesus' name. Keep that in mind as well. So Jesus had just given those teachings, and in the last verse of chapter 14, he says, Rise, let us go from here. So they were in the upper room, and evidently they get up and start marching from the upper room in Jerusalem Central down through the Kidron Valley. And as they're going up the other side, this is even evident today in Jerusalem, uh, to the left were the stairs that went up to the temple on top of the Temple Mount. And Herod, who had helped rebuild the temple, the second temple time period, had actually gotten marble stones from all over the world in rebuilding the temple and making it majestic. And on those stones were gold inlaid fig trees. Now, why is that important? Because fig trees were the symbol of Israel. It was their national emblem. So, uh, for those of you who are Clemson Tiger football fans, for example, at your football games, somebody runs around with the Clemson flag and it's got a big tiger paw because that's the insignia of Clemson University's athletic program. Uh, University of North Carolina has a Tar Heel on that flag. Uh, NC State has a Wolf Pack on that flag. Uh, Duke has a Blue Devil, and that's why God's not in favor of them. Now, I'm not going to go there. They have a Blue Devil on that flag because that's their insignia regarding their school. Well, if Israel had had a flag with somebody waving it at different momentous occasions, it would have had a fig tree stamped on that flag. Well, the fig tree had a golden embroidery on that marble stone And I think Jesus looked up at that fig tree and used that as a teaching moment as his disciples were following him down the Kidron Valley, then up to the Mount of Olives where he would then have time of prayer with his Father in heaven and then ultimately be arrested around two hours later. This is probably around 10 a.m. after the Passover meal had been completed. So with that as background information, as Jesus is pointing out that golden embroidered fig tree on the stone in the temple that Herod had put there, he then says to his disciples, I am the true vine. 
I am the true vine. John 15, 1. I am the true vine. Now, several things that are important here. First of all, this is Jesus' seventh and final I am statement. Clear claim to deity. They knew what he was saying. The I am statement was the name of God given by God to Moses in Exodus 3. It was an unutterable phrase, and Jesus now has said it seven times in the Gospel of John. John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. John 10, 8, I am the gate. John 10, 9, I am the good shepherd. In John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. In John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here, John 15, 1, I am the true vine. Now, that word true is very important. Why? Because Jesus is looking at that marble block in the temple with that golden embroidery of the fig tree on it. And he's saying, I am the new Israel. I am the true vine through whom God's going to work now to touch the world, not the nation of Israel, but me. I am the true vine that you need to focus on now as God's focal point of redemption for the entire world. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. So in this area of like fig trees, like a huge garden, and isn't it interesting Jesus uses such a powerful image here about a garden because the garden was what God originally created, the Garden of Eden. And he said to Adam and Eve, go be fruitful and multiply. Keep that in mind because that's the command that God gave Adam and Eve. And here is the vision of the garden with a fig tree in it, the national symbol of Israel. And Jesus is saying, my father is the owner of that field. My father is the vine dresser of the field. He's the one who oversees Israel. He's the one who oversees me. Indeed, he's the overseer of all of the world that he created. Verse two, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, God's the vine dresser. And Jesus is saying that he is the vine, the true vine, and connected to that true vine are branches. And that's you and me. That's every human being who loves Jesus. When we accept him as Lord and Savior, we receive him in us. We are in him. There's a connection like a branch to a vine. And the call of God that he has upon our lives, his purpose as followers of Jesus for all of us is to bear fruit. Now, for those who say they are Christians but don't bear fruit, um, that's not people who lose their salvation, folks, because you can't lose your salvation. You always interpret Scripture with the Scripture. Any passage that suggests that, you've got to go to passages like in John 10 where Jesus said, you are my sheep and no one can snatch you out of my hands. Or Romans 8, 38 and 39, where Jesus says nothing or no one can ever separate you from my love. That that connection point with Jesus once given is never taken back. Once we receive him, it is an eternal conviction within us. But it is also very clear that in the church, Jesus taught there are going to be 
faux followers. They're going to be false Christians. They're going to be people who say they believe in Jesus, but they really aren't. And the proof of that's going to be they don't bear fruit. And whatever fruit it seems they do bear is wax fruit. You ever go into uh, one of those places where they're selling homes and you sit down and there's a basket full of fruit and you're thinking, hmm, that looks good. And it's wax fruit. Try to sink your teeth into wax fruit. Try chewing it up and ingesting it. You'll get sick. The truth is there are people who say they love Jesus, but don't really love Jesus. They've never really received him. They've never been born again. John 3, 3, Jesus said that's the only way you can enter into his kingdom. And the fruit they're producing is wax fruit. It's fake fruit. It really isn't real fruit that has supernatural and eternal consequences. It may make the person look good, but it's not done for the glory of God. And it's clear that Jesus taught in Matthew 13, for example, in the kingdom of God, the devil's going to sow tares among the wheat. And the wheat and the tares, if any of you know that image horticulturally, they look exactly alike except for one thing. The wheat bear fruit, the tares don't bear fruit. And in fact, Jesus said, don't you try to separate in the church which one is which. I mean, sometimes I think that person's not a true believer, but I'm never supposed to make that judgment. Jesus said in John, in Matthew 7, that I should never make that judgment. But he did say I can be a fruit inspector. He did say I can try to discern whether they are true believers by simply looking at their fruit. I can't make that ultimate judgment, but I can try to discern who is and who isn't. And it's by looking at their real fruit, the fruit that is produced by the Holy Spirit or the fruit that's produced by their own human efforts. And Jesus said, don't you try to determine which one is which, the wheat or the tare. Let the angels of heaven do that at the second coming, at the final judgment. They'll be able to separate them. Interestingly, there are farmers, though, who do try to separate them today. The only way they can determine whether they're true wheat or tares is after they separate them, they put each in boiling water and wheat will ultimately produce a sweetness of water. Nothing wrong with it. Tares ultimately under hot water will produce poisonous water and sipping it will make you terribly sick. That's how they try to understand the difference between wheat and tares. But Jesus said the enemy sows people into the church who really say they love Jesus, but they don't love Jesus. They're producing false fruit. And here he says very clearly, he takes them away. That they are taken away. And we'll see in verse six, one way that they are taken away. They're removed from Jesus' eternal kingdom. But those who really do love Jesus and have his Holy Spirit living within them and are producing fruit. Here, some of you would remember Galatians 5, 22 and 23, where Paul taught us that the fruit of the Holy Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Don't forget that last one, that where the Spirit lives in us and we're abiding in Jesus and His life is abiding in us, that fruit naturally flows forth. You, you don't have to force it to happen. It just happens. Any more than if you see an apple tree, you don't go up to the apple tree and say, you need to produce more apples. Come on, apple tree. And then see the apple tree going, uh, trying to produce more fruit. It just doesn't happen. A healthy apple tree receiving right nutrients from the soils in its root will produce healthy apples. 
Root produces fruit. That's just a truth of agriculture. Well, the same is true in our lives in Christ. If we are rooted in Him, we will produce fruit. It just happens. It's got to happen. We don't strive to produce it. We can't produce it through our own strength. Eternal, significant, spiritual fruit happens because we're rooted in Christ and Christ is in us. Now, here's a teaching that Jesus gives. He says that for those who are in him and he is in them and they are producing good fruit for him, that he is going to prune them. He's going to prune them. He's going to cut away some of that good fruit because he wants to produce much more good fruit. Now, again, I'm not a gardener. I'm not a horticulturalist. But I do know that as I have been taught this text, that in Israel today, there are many trees that have existed for 2,000 years. And some of them grow to heights of 20 plus feet and produce wonderful fruit. You may not know this, but Israel is the third largest fruit producer in the entire world. So Israel knows a lot about fruit producing. And on those trees, they will regularly go in and prune them back from 20 feet to about three feet. And they look like they're going to die. But all the vine dressers there tell you, no, that's for the purpose of eliminating some weeds and other stuff that even though the tree was producing fruit, it was being limited in all that it could produce. And when this which looks like a stump right now starts to grow again, it's going to produce more fruit than it ever produced before. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Coming up, David joins me in the studio in an insightful conversation about God's unconditional love for us. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and here is Jim Noble with the Dream Center Charlotte. Hello, my name is Jim Noble with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center. And Bo and I, the director of the Dream Center, wanted to take a minute and tell you guys thank you. Moments of hope, David and Marilyn Chadwick, all of you there, Dean, uh, we all been phenomenal for us. Uh, you, you've been there since 08 when we started King's Kitchen, and that kind of grew into the Dream Center and the meals we've fed the last eight weeks, probably exceeding 55,000 now, I guess. Uh, we're so grateful you guys have made such an impact in the city by reaching out to those that have needs greater than we have. And uh, what do you think, Bo? Yeah, so it's been amazing to, to just watch the, the work that's happened um, with the meals as they've gone out. You know, uh, we, I always tell people it's not about the food, it's about the relationships that are formed and the ministry that takes place. And so, um, and JT Williams and Tom Westboro and Reed Park, I mean, it has opened up doors that we never thought would be open. Um, you know, we've seen people come out um, and just welcomed us with open arms, just so grateful for the meals and, and we just thank you moments of hope and just this couldn't be this wouldn't be possible without you guys and you know uh the the first call we made uh when we decided to go this route and provide these meals was the moments of hope and it was uh, a phone call that was met with a resounding yes and so we're so appreciative of you guys and just um everything you all do for us and for the kingdom and not only that but you uh, also set into our kitchen in the dream center now this week started producing meals there and as the restaurants opened back up all the meals were shipped to the dream center 
with the kitchen you helped us do. So we're so grateful for you guys. God bless you. God bless Moments of Hope. And we just pray an unlimited return and harvest on the seed you sowed into this ministry. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Moments of Hope. I'm Jen Houston, and with me is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Jen. Great to be with you. You as well. Well, in this morning's Moment of Hope, you shared a song that your wife, Marilyn, used to sing to your children when they were young, and it was all about the power of unconditional love. Will you tell us about that? I will, Jen, because we as parents believe that the healthiest homes are ones where grace is in place. Mm. And the word grace just means the unconditional love of God. So we tried to practice grace and the unconditional love of the Father in our home regularly. Well, Marilyn came up with this idea, my wife, and she would sing this song to our kids every single day practically. It goes like this. I love you when you're happy. I love you when you're sad. I love you when you're feeling good. Or when you're feeling bad, I love you, I love you, I really, really love you. No matter what you say or do, I really, really love you, mm-hmm. I really, really love you. And it just became a part of our life, and mm-hmm. everybody knew the song. We'd sing it to one another whenever we messed up. Well, <laughs> one time, I was walking in the kitchen with a glass of milk, and my fingers were a little buttery. The glass slipped out of my fingertips, fell on the ground, and... <laughs> crash milk everywhere. And I just went, oh, are you kidding me? I got to clean this up. What a doofus. I'm such a dummy. Why didn't I realize I shouldn't have carried that milk in that glass with buttery fingers? And just as I was at the height of my frustration, my then like six-year-old daughter, Bethany, walked up to me, looked me in the eyes and said, I love you when you're happy. (laughs) I love you when you're sad. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I can see it now. (laughs) And we all cracked up, and we just Mm. realized that we all make mistakes. Yeah. We all fall short. And and when we do, we run to the cross where Mm. we drink anew of that wonderful, limitless, unconditional love of the Father that he's given to us through Jesus. And I Mm -hmm. think when we have that kind of environment in our home and in our churches and in our culture, we have a healthier culture because Mm -hmm. we are breathing the rarefied, pure air of God's unconditional Mm -hmm. love. I love that story. I love yours and Marilyn's stories about your family and how you raise them. I, I glean so much from them. And really what this atmosphere of unconditional love reminds me of is it really produces an ability for somebody be, to become responsible and take response self-responsibility. And I think that's a big deal these days for yeah. people to not be afraid to take responsibility for a shortcoming or a mistake, expose it to the presence of the Lord and to your, your friend and, and move forward. Yeah, it allows us to fail forward, which is another Davidism. Uh, it allows us to realize it's not the end of the world when we make mistakes because we all will make mistakes. Uh, when we fail, uh, we should not despair because now we know one other way not to do something. Yeah. It should be a pathway to success. The grace of God is the most powerful force in the universe. And Paul said in Romans 8, 38 and 39, can anything separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus? It's a rhetorical question. Mm-hmm. The answer is obviously no. It's the most powerful force in the world. I really believe as we live in it, we become the people God always wants us to be. That's so powerful. Thank you so much, David. Well, thank you, Jen. And listeners, would you fall prey to the grace of God? Breathe that air yourself. 
put it into your homes. Let your kids make mistakes and then give them grace. Let yourself make mistakes and then give yourself grace. When you do so, you'll become healthy in the Lord. And if you'd like to receive from me these daily written Moments of Hope, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there free of charge for my heart to yours arriving in your inbox every morning at 7 a.m. to start your day with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, come join us this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte. Our web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for a revival in the American workforce.